Alright you guys, hi, I'm here with Mike from Wandering Wolf Productions. Hello Mike. Hello. Uh, so, like, okay, you all have a, I guess you would call it a travel channel on YouTube. Is that what we're going to call it? Like, what's your elevator pitch for what you do? Because it's, it's, you have some amazing stuff, but it also, it has a lot of everything, so. Yes, so I, I guess the tag would be, for the channel, would be Ancient Sites, uh, Natural Wonders, and Amazing Cultures, and it kind of goes in that order. So um, I am absolutely focused on travel. It is a travel channel, but my primary focus is ancient sites. That's what got me going and into all this years ago. So uh, that that is the first thing. And then after that, of course, natural sites around the world. And then I love experiencing new cultures and bringing that to people. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, you're the perfect stop to go if you really want to check out like a particular location go check out his channel because not only will he show you like why that particular archaeological place is like the coolest thing to go to, but he also will show you what to do when you're not just at that archaeological site when you're there. So. Yes, how to enjoy your experience, maybe get around, um, like to include tips on how to travel or what to expect or what to do or things like that as well. So, yeah. Okay, so explain to us how you got down this path because you travel with a vengeance. Like, I backpacked Europe when I was like 23, back before cell phones. Um, and like, when I think about it, it's like I went to internet cafes. That's, that was a thing back then. Um, Remember those. Yeah, and it's like, uh, but you go like I went then. Like, you go to a lot of countries a year. And I'm a flight attendant, so I go to a lot of countries a year too. <laughs> but yeah, so how did you get into this like boom, 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 boom journey? Well, um... I, I've always enjoyed traveling. Um, I, uh, I lived overseas when I was younger. I joined the military and I served overseas um, in my early 20s. I think I was 20, 20 years old when I joined and I lived in South Korea and I just absolutely loved it. But I came back and I kind of settled down for a while and I got myself into a career that was, um, it was, it was fine. It was a good career, but um, you know, it just killed the passion in my life. Um, I wasn't really living for anything other than just making money and paying rent, right? Um, and uh, after about 10 years of doing that, I just, I, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, I, I absolutely cannot do it anymore. So I, I quit. To, the intention was to take a year off and travel and then come back. Um, but a year turned into two years. And then I figured I better figure something out here because I love doing this so much but I better figure out how to kind of turn this into something else that I can do all the time. And that led, that was 2016 and that led into what I'm doing now. And um, it's been great, you know, um, the, the whole process ever since I wake up every day and I'm happy to be doing what I'm doing and, and, and uh, feel passionate about it. The traveling part is just um, meeting new people, new cultures around the world, getting to see these sites that I had, I had so many questions about. Um, you know, I think for any of us in this community that that are really um, into all this stuff, you can't look at the whole picture and not have some questions about like so many things. And I wanted to put my hands on these things. I wanted to see it in person to um, to to just build this worldview in my head that I knew was there, but I had to see it for myself. And so that's what I did. I'm very much the same way with it, seeing it myself because I'm almost kind of like 
I don't believe it's real till I see it myself or so. I, I mean, I don't know. Like I, 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 I had, I, especially when I was young, I was like, eh, I'm going to make sure that country's really there. <laughs> like, I like, just go there and then I get it. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Um, and it's never for me, nothing has ever, um, been the same as what I thought it was going to be. Like everything, like seeing any site you've ever, doesn't matter how many videos you've watched on it, how many pictures you've seen on it, how many or whatever, like being there in person has a whole other aspect, a whole other level of detail that I just don't know that you can get unless you actually go in person, you know. The, the, the one that's uh, popping up for me in my head, it, this for me personally, is one of the first trips that I did was to China. And I had seen all these things about Long U Cave and Yangshan Quarry. Yangshan Quarry was one that, um, well, both of those sites, there just wasn't a lot of documentation. And your footage is amazing of those two particularly, I have to say. Thank you. And that was a huge motivator. I was like, I can do this. I can get out there, film something and bring it to the community that people can watch and see and get a better perspective than other than just pictures. And then for me, especially Yangshan Quarry, you see the pictures and how massive these um, giant stones are. But then when you get there and you're putting your hands on it, it's it's yeah, they they they're they're massive and they're they're overwhelming in their size. But then you start seeing like you're able to crawl underneath these things. And I didn't know all the time what I was looking at back then, but I I, I knew enough back then to see these indicators of what looks like machining marks, you know, these spacing of cuts and, and, and different things along the underside of these stones and all this stuff. And then just being in the presence of that thing and how massively. And huge. then they have the giant nubs and like, for me, my first time yeah. seeing a nub was, or my first time taking notice of a nub. I'm sure I saw nubs before this, but the first time I took notice of a nub was at Ola Bay Tomble in, in Peru. And I was like, what is that for? Like, that's weird. And then, yeah. you know, so, but those, the nubs and Yangshin quarry are, huge so what did you think of those when you looked at them you know um i i had a lot of questions but i think at the time i didn't really know maybe what the right questions were yeah. so i just did my best to at the time to film those things now when i visit a site i make sure to leave way more time for some of this to go and get all the little details you know we're i don't know i'm four or five years past that now four years now past that. So when I go to a site, um, you know, having um, a much better understanding now, I make sure to just get like every little detail, even if I don't think it's something, Yeah. you know, I, I, I've had people reach out to me about footage that I've shared that of things that they, they picked up and they saw that I didn't even see yet in the filming in, in the film, in my videos. So, um, but as far as Yangshan Quarry, I, I had no idea. I didn't know. And the general story there is, is that it was a, um, that they were attempting to make this massive stele, S-T-E-L-E. Yeah, stele. And, um, uh, and that it was never finished. Now, you know, it's cut that way and everything could be shaped that way. It's, it's absolutely cut in a way that if you took all three of those massive pieces, it looks like that's what it could have been being made for. But the size of it, you know, and 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 that it and they to were do it all, all in place like that out of one piece is weird. And then the nubs, because they're 
regular steles at, at sites all over China and all over the world, they they don't they don't have nubs on them. So you know that you know maybe indicates that maybe they're part of the moving process. But then why wouldn't some of these nubs be removed afterwards if they're already showing this level of skill in stoneworking? How how much how easy shouldn't it it be to remove those afterwards for um, just cosmetic re reasons, you know? Um, so I, I don't know. And uh, I don't know if we have like a really solid, I know um, I've, I've made several friends on Twitter lately um, it, with how we've met who are huge into just the nubs part. And they're gonna know way more than me about a lot of that, but um, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible mystery. And I like that that's, you know, what I enjoy about all this. Well, I also, the, the Long Longview Caves is, um, I watched the video by Curious Beings, Tina from Curious Beings. She, she pointed out, um, the, you know, how close the tool marking is along the walls of everything and how perfect it is without chipping. You know, it's not like if you did that by hand with a hammer and a chisel, it would, it wouldn't be so symmetrical for how long it's symmetrical. They're exactly spaced um lines and it looks like somebody took a rotary saw and went down and was working through you know cutting out the stone or whatever and those exact marks are in the underside of some of those stones um at yangshan quarry the exact types of cuts and um and you can see clearly anybody with a, a discerning eye that they look like machining marks and you find these things all over the world. I've seen them on, I think, every continent that I've been to, these types of cuts. Um, and, uh, you know, but again, you know. With and then you also wonder, like, where is the stuff they took out? Where is all? Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. With Longview Caves, they've never found the deposit, like the removal of all that. Um, yeah. Uh, from there's that. how many I mean and, and, are you, and even in your, your, your video you say like a lot of it's not even excavated there's caves that you were walking by that no one's gone into like correct yeah they were still flooded they hadn't pumped the water out and anything so there's multiple caves and another thing of note was that as we were walking through that area you can see that some of the areas that you're just walking by that I, I think if you didn't have a discerning eye or you weren't paying attention you would just think you're walking through um little stone like rock outcroppings and stuff down a path but the these the, those rock outcroppings have cut marks and things in those as well which means that the the ground level has risen there and if you were if that entire area was excavated as i say there and it means there's potential excavation to be done in the exact area you're walking past and the sad thing about that site specifically is that they're building on top of it and turning it into a major tourist attraction. So they're putting buildings on top of it. They, they, there's a shop there when I was there, right when you come out um, of the cave system, they're uh, building other buildings and pagodas and paving pathways and walkways and uh, putting lights and computer systems and ponds down in the caves. So, um, and also if you watch that video, um, I've talked with several people since I made that video. The assumption that I had when I went there was that the carvings in the in in the video that you see on the pillars and on right. the walls, the elaborate reliefs, were part of it, but they were made after discovery. 
So those carvings and stuff were made after the, the caves had been discovered, excavated, and pumped out, and they'd pump out the I water. just kind of assumed that, because they look like modern day, or not modern day, but they, I mean, they look like within the last, whatever, thousand year, like, right. um, yeah, but, and that's, that's where you get into dating stone, and how do you really know, like, when something was cut or not cut, or, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a whole and, other and, bag and, of whistles. I think there's a lot of us that, you know, ascribe to this, to the theory that, you know, do we, do we even know that our dating system is correct? Um, yeah. So, you know, how do you work around that? Um, I don't know. Um, but uh, this is one of the cool things about going to these sites and discovering all this stuff and sharing it with the community of people that are interested is that you get so much information back to help you kind of pick apart the mystery of it all. And that's, fascinating to me so did you like were, did you like what was your first thing that kind of got you into like the alternative history mystery kind of thing like was it one of those like you read a graham hamcock book or like what happened man um so you know like i said i was in the military um in my 20s and i was in during 9 11. um i've always been a questioning person um i've always kind of been outside the norm when it comes to uh at, you know, asking, you know, not just taking what, had, even at school, not just taking what was being taught to me at face value, but asking questions, which I, I think a lot of time <laughs> was very annoying to either my teachers or um, leadership in, in, in organizations like the military. Um, and 9-11 just didn't make sense to me. There was, there was a lot of things uh, about that. That led to some things like the moon landing and on from there, and we kept going. And I started looking into sites. I found myself going down a rabbit hole, as I think we all have done. Um, and uh, when I started getting into the ancient history and different stuff like that of these civilizations around the world, I just kept seeing pieces that felt like they connected, like, um, like worldwide that they connected. And when you start understanding the similarities in, in a lot of these sites around the world on every single continent, from dolmens being on every single continent okay. to um, pyramids, this, the shape of the architecture of, at different sites and the similarities. And then you start getting into the stoneworking, drill holes, nubs, pinch holes, all these different things that, that exist around the world. Um, I'm like, man, the, you know, you get to a point where you're like, everything that I've been taught about history is absolute BS. Yeah. hundred percent BS. And I may not have the answer to what it actually is, but I know that what I'm being told is not true. Right. So if it's within my power to go and find a little bit more information about it, I'm willing to go do that and I enjoy it. So, um, that's kind of how that whole process started. Now, some of it laid in, in uh, you know, until I found the ability to kind of walk away from my job, it was just something where I was spending hours and hours and hours um, watching videos online and on YouTube. And, um, you know, I got to say there was a lot more available, not that people aren't putting out incredible content right now, but it does, I, I noticed at some point, somewhere between two to four years ago, things actively being it felt like things actively yeah i feel like for me um like because i was watching youtube like a lot um, i don't know probably like in 2000 and 
15, 14, and 16, like, and you could, it, it would recommend you other cool little right. channels and stuff. And then now, like, yeah. okay, as, as it is today, it doesn't matter, like, like, let's say I brought up your video, like, Wandering right. Wolf Productions, and I watched a video. My recommendations would be, um, so, like, a National Geographic, Young, yeah. uh, Long UK, it would be Russell Brand or something, and then, like, right. th like things that don't need to have recommendations. It would be all mainstream stuff. I don't ever get any recommendations for other small little channels anymore. Or if you do, it's like the 13th one down at the bottom or- and, I mean, search for some of that now, yeah. It's really hard to find new original content. Mm -hmm. And then even if it is, or and I know a ton of stuff that I used to watch that's been deleted, it's not there anymore. Right, uh, yeah, absolutely. Stuff getting removed, people losing followers. So, you know, um, I'm really thankful that I was able to soak up as much information as I as I did um, before all that happened, um, because it really went a long way into um, helping me kind of step out and, and and pursue some of this and really get into it. Um, so yeah. So okay, give us kind of a little brief overview of where all you've been uh, with through this journey and like where all you filmed. Like that, I know it's because that'll take like a year, but like you know. Yeah, so um, I've been all over South America. There's a lot of places I still would love to go. Um, been all over South America, several different places throughout Central America. Um, been over Asia, lots of different places all throughout Europe, um, Africa and Egypt. Um, I'll be going down to South Africa, down into Southern Africa through Namibia in um, March. I'll be heading over into um, Asia again in a few months in August. Um, yeah, uh, basically, I think I think the only continent that I haven't been to is uh, Australia. Yeah, me either. Uh, I haven't been there yet, and uh, and I'm looking to add Antarctica to the list. You know, um, I've been down to the very tip of of Patagonia, down in Chile, to Punta Arenas, and traveled all throughout that area, um, and. Uh, that is amazing. Um, traveling through Peru and Bolivia are, are just incredible. I mean, I could I could be stay in Peru or Bolivia for yeah uh, for a long time. I well, mean, your Puma Punku stuff or Tiwanaku is 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 really off the hook as well. So what what is, are you the drone flyer? Are you the are you the the videographer guy? No, um, I I am now. And uh, um, I picked up the drone and um, and and moved into the filming portion. But uh, uh, my buddy Tim was a huge part of getting the channel going and uh, uh, was doing all the, the, the camera work and editing um, for that. So the drone flying on a lot of those trips uh, was him. Also my cousin, um, Austin, uh, joins me on almost all of my trips. And he does uh, drone flying and the 360 work, which we do. I don't see anybody else doing, we do 360 videos where you can actually do VR walkthrough through a lot of these sites. So we have VR walkthrough videos for Puma Punku, for um, Tiwanaku and a lot of different places. We're gonna have tons of videos walking through ancient temples and the pyramids over in Egypt that are coming out in the coming year, the end of this year probably. Um, so, but now um, uh, uh, the the uh, drone videos and stuff, I'm, I'm picking up and we'll be doing, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm excited because there's going to be a lot of different changes to the channel coming up. Um, 
So um, things might get a little bit more focused in on the ancient stuff and, and a bit more opinionated, which I hope people enjoy from my perspective, a bit more opinionated about what I'm seeing and what I think I'm seeing now that I've been so many places and have so much stuff to compare it to. Right. Yeah, it's interesting because I saw uh, one of yours on the the discus spheres or whatever in Costa Rica, and I went to Costa Rica and I saw some discus spheres, but uh, you can't even that. Then and then that kind of pissed me off because I was like, oh, I didn't go to that site. I mean, like I I went there for two weeks, but another th yeah, I went with a like a like a friend lived there and she does tour groups and stuff like that, and we went to one place that has spheres, but I didn't go to the place that you went that has spheres. So it's 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 interesting to to note that even if you've been to a country, you cannot see it all. It's yeah. yeah, unfortunately, you have to pick and choose, and we do that. So generally, the way that I will plan our trips is, um, first and foremost, we pick an ancient site that I want to go see, and then we build the site out around that. So, for example, in August and September, we'll be going over to Thailand, Cambodia, and Vietnam and traveling through those three countries. That's That trip is built around going to Angkor Wat, and, and then all the ancient sites and stuff that are around that. I want to go and to that Vietnamese the biggest cave in the world yeah so we 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 had that all planned and it turns out they stopped doing tours through that cave because of covid before we get there oh that's i know and we there's already... also where is that one that has like a big giant snake like it's a giant i'll find it and send it to you later but there's okay. a, there's a there's a cave a snake with a big like stone snake it like it's like a okay so you use something like anchor watt you would you would then build your trip afterwards, like around like what else is cool to do after you decide to go do that. Have you well, done like Easter Island yet? Uh, you know, there's so many places that I've been was supposed to do over the last couple of years and we've had to adjust. So Easter Island was a, um, a trip that was planned two years ago that had to be canceled because Santiago was one of the hardest hit cities in terms of being locked down uh, during COVID and everything. And uh, so we just couldn't do it. And the, um, so we had to cancel that trip that changed to Turkey and going to go Tepe. And then, uh, there was, uh, a bunch of military activity there on the border with Syria. So we had to cancel that trip. And then we had a trip planned in August and September for, to go to, uh, Gornaya Shoria in Russia. And, um, and then obviously, um, stuff started happening in Ukraine. And we had to back off that trip, which is what, how we ended up with Amber Watt. So, you know, there's a bunch of places that we've tried to go, go to. And by the way, India is my number one country that I want to see in the world, the absolute number one country that I want to visit and go to in the world. And I've tried to book a trip there like three or four times over the years. And every single time something's happened, that's canceled that trip. So I just feel like that one's maybe supposed to happen at a later, later or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the thing is it's like, I, um, yeah, I've been to India and I spent a month there, but I was like reforesting stuff. And like, I only did bought Mahabalipuram was the only like a, a site that I ended up doing. I flew into Chennai and I went down to Oroville and then I did the Sidhana forest and all that stuff. It, it was, that was cool. But like, um, uh, like, I, I feel like I haven't even been to India. I've been to India for a month, but I feel like I haven't been to India. You I, know, it's like, there's so much, there's so much you have to do. Um, all my previous trips, I think, were planned for like two weeks. And, and, and as the years have gone by, I feel like I'm just going to give India like two or three months when I go. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, and it, well, it's it's like you know, it, they there's so many different languages that are spoken even within India, and it and it was only colonized by the British in like whatever 18 blah 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 blah. So I mean, like you're talking about like we're calling it one place, but it's many different cultures like all yeah. you know it's it's it, there's a lot to do there and a lot of different ancient temples and stuff and they they're uh, the the western eyes way of documenting them is not really what's been done so like it i actually liked it because like for instance in Mahabalipuram, it's just like free for all like there's cows running around the ruins and you and there's no there's nobody stopping you from like, I mean, in a way, it's bad because I'm sure people, they could get their little pickaxe and take whatever they wanted. But at the same time, like, you can get right up to everything. Whereas I just got back from Palenque a couple weeks ago, and that was like, you couldn't climb not one pyramid. Like, everything was closed off and, they, you know, it. so it just, yeah. it's and, weird and, the different levels of security or not security that exist everywhere you go. And I will say this, uh, that I've noticed on my travels is happening more and more at, um, a lot of these ancient sites that are being, um, I don't know what's the best way to say it, monetized, right? These sites where they're like, everything is set up in a way for them to make money off of tourists, right? And the bigger they get, the more rules that they start enforcing. And what I've noticed is, is that like all these sites across the world now are jumping on this trend of charging people extra for- um, Special touring. For, for filming or bringing cameras in oh, yeah. or any type of extra equipment, you have to get approval first and then you have to pay an extra, an extra fee. You have to, and things are getting, starting to get really strict at these places. Um, and it's, you know, there's so many people that are doing YouTube videos, TikTok videos or stuff for Instagram. I think it goes, you know, but for, for those of us who are actually trying to like, just pick up some, some good footage for, for, for the community and for us to analyze and look at and different things and get information about it, it makes you can start making it pretty hard. So anytime I can go somewhere where there's just like, you can walk up to stuff and just interact it. That's yeah. amazing. It's so much, it's so much more enjoyable. Yeah. I, I think it's really, um, I, I, I can, I could see them tightening up uh, stuff more, but there, there are obscure things that are off the beaten path that people don't know about that I think are just as cool. You know, so yeah, yeah, and so I'm into that just as much as I am into like the Pyramid of Giza. So, um, okay, so you have a lot of I, I also had a bunch of trips get canceled during the whole COVID bullshit, and uh, it's hopefully that stops. I don't know, we'll see. Do you <laughs> at one point want to have people come with you, or are you just like solo, like a, you're just photographing it, or do you want to run tours at some point? Um, you know, that's funny that you brought that up um i think that only recently have i started thinking about that 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 might that that might be appealing to people you know planning these trips and different stuff can take a lot of work as far as organizing the filming process and stuff and a lot of times i'm realizing it's not the kind of work a lot of people are either cut out for or want to do but they want to be a part of it so if you can offer something where people could could join and go on these tours um, I'm sure it'd be great, but I haven't put a ton of thought into it. It's been more about um, where I really get my enjoyment is trying to get to these places that have not been documented well yet. And um, obviously Pumapunku is something is a, is a site that's been, 
you know, documented extensively. But what I was able to do with getting the drone flight right over the site, getting approval from the local authorities there, um, I felt like was something unique. That drone video that we have out on Puma Punku, they allowed us to fly right up to everything and over it. I mean, within feet. And you must have like an amazing drone because your drone footage is like pretty. Um, it's uh, it's okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, being able to do stuff like that, the Longview Caves, Yangshan Quarry, if, if we had been able to get out to Gornaya Shoria, um, that would have been incredible. And there was, there's another site that I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's on an island out there. It's an ancient uh, structure in the middle of, a, it's on an island in the middle of a lake. Out. And the other site out in Russia was called uh, Por Bajan. And that is like this little island with uh, ancient structure out on that. And these, that and Gornaya Shoria were, are two sites that really I think are deserving of, uh, of much more footage yeah, I've never even heard of either of those sites. And I'm yeah, and, and, and especially drone footage. There just isn't really great drone footage of either one of those sites. There are some drone footage of Gornaya Shoria, but it's, it's very kind of um, choppy and shaky. Um, and being able to get out there and get some really quality footage was something. Was that, what, that, that big Buddha, what was it called? Uh, Giant Buddha? What? The Lashan Giant Buddha? The Lashan Giant Buddha that you took. Your your drone footage of that was just such an interesting perspective because you just get, like, you're like, they carved the whole mountain. Like, it's, like, literally, whoa. Wait, what? Yeah. yeah. That, and that was cool because the it, it, it's right at the confluence um, of two major rivers there. And so we were able to stay on the other side of the, the river so we, so we could fly the drone over there. Because once you're over there, you're inside of a park. You know, it's like a right like actual park with people like monitoring everything or whatever. So we were able to fly the drone from the other side straight up to it and just get incredible shots of that. Like, yeah, we didn't have to pay really your fee. Cool. <laughs> yeah, well, we still went over there, obviously. But like, um, and then Oriental Park back behind it, it's a lot of fun too to go check out. There's another giant Buddha on the side of the mountain and then walking through the caves there and seeing all the carvings inside is really cool too. Um, we, I didn't even know that was there before we went. So that was cool. You always find little stuff like that when you're traveling. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what I'm kind of saying. It's like one of those things where you didn't even know that there was, like you only know like the super famous thing that people show you about, right. but you don't know all the other stuff that's sometimes equally as cool. That's also uh, there. And I've um, been, sorry, go ahead. No, well, I was going to change the subject, so you should go ahead real quick. Um, I've been learning also during my travels that uh, it, it does pay to leave yourself a little bit of breathing room between shoots. I used to, when I first started, just pack everything so much, as much as I could because I just wanted to, I wanted to film and document everything I possibly could. So we'd be working, you know, we'd be up before the sun so that we could get to wherever the first site was that we're filming as soon as the sun came up to maximize our daylight and our filming hours. And we'd go all day. I mean, most of the time we'll be filming and traveling or filming whatever for like 14, 16 hours a day, however much sunlight we have for that day. And what I'm learning is, is that a lot of times it pays to just like, go ahead and leave yourself, like plan it so that you can explore these places or if you hear about something, you can go check out something or make a stop along the road if you see something um, that, that you hadn't planned for. Because there's so much stuff out there, especially when you're getting deep into some of these countries that you just don't find online. And it's worth having the time to be able to get over there and just check it out. You never know. Yeah, I agree with that. 
So, um, what, what, what's your, um, okay, this is going to be a, this is going to be a, a conspiracy. Okay. What do you think's going on? Like, um, now that you're, you're okay, you're looking at these sites, you, you've had your what the fuck moments of like, what it says. So from your perspective today, if you had to piece together, like what's going on with history, what's the whole story, what's the control system or not control system or what, what do you, what do you think is going on here? I think that there was an ancient worldwide spanning civilization um, that freely shared technology and um, information with each other across the world. And they were in contact and communication with each other across the world um, who coordinated their building sites and their structures. I think that, that um, there was some kind of reset or cataclysmic event that um, wiped out the majority of the world population and that as people kind of repopulated, cultures moved into these areas and they built on top of these structures. Um, and um, that the stories that we're getting about of a lot of these cultures that I don't think that they necessarily built these structures. I think they kind of inherited them and moved into like them. appropriated now. them. Right, now I'm not saying that for every single spot and place and, uh, but, that seems to be the um, what's going on, um, at least from as far as I can tell. Um, you can look at the the level of craftsmanship at so many different places around the world. How the oldest parts of the structures are the most advanced parts of the structures, right? And as you go up, and you can see that other cultures have built on top of these structures. The stoneworking gets less advanced, less advanced less advanced until they're just stacking rocks on top of each other, right? Um, so just a real brief general outline of what I think that would be it um, as far as all these ancient sites around the world and um, all the cultures and different things. I think there's more than enough evidence to support that these ancient cultures were clearly in contact with each other, um, you know. Yeah, I, uh, I I believe the exact same thing, and I think a lot of these hallmarks we talk about are the they're the smoking guns of the the physical evidence of it. Um, so yeah, like and that for me that's like the biggest story unsung that people really need to open their eyes to because it has a lot of implications on either what could could be coming again or like you know for me I kind of I just always have this feeling that you don't build some of these things and then get taken out completely. So I'm thinking like, well, I, this is where I get conspiratorial Nikki, but conspiratorial Nikki is like whoever built like sexy woman is also the UFO people. Like, I think that there's, I'm not saying they're aliens. I'm not even saying the UFOs are necessarily from outer space. I think they could be like hidden civilizations or an underneath the world or so. I just don't think that, the advanced technology things are com completely gone. Like that somebody knows something more than we do. And I think a lot of that too is because of the systematic destroying of them and or the systematic um, uh, trying to make them insignificant or like, oh yeah, they're here, you can't ignore them, but slaves built them. And yeah, it was really hard work. They did it a long time ago. Yeah, no. <laughs> I think I think what we're talking about here is is you know stuff like you're, we're getting into things like possible resets, and we're we're talking about like 
controlling of technology and populations, um, you know, from everything from technology to culturally to, I mean, if you just look back at history at how much the Catholic Church has done around the world, when, especially when you go to South America, I don't think that, you know, basically every old world church that you can find in South America is built on top of an ancient past culture site. Everywhere that I go in South America, there's a church on top of something that used to be an ancient cultures thing. And, you know, what they used to do was um, not to sit here and just bust on Catholicism necessarily, but this is what they were doing. You know, they'd take, they'd come in, they'd conquer the people, they'd take the children away from their their family. They'd angelicize their names and they wouldn't allow them to learn their own cultural history and they teach them a new history and a new language and within two generations these people have forgotten who they are um and and you know now you have a blending and a mesh of all these types of cultures and religious worship which you see around all over south and central america um you know with catholicism and pachimama and whatever else you know um so you still have all these traditions these ancient traditions but you know, we're going to church on Sunday still too. And we're going to church um, on top of an ancient site that used to be part of our culture that we had maybe our culture had inherited at some point, but. It's definitely um, this Native American story. That's like, I mean, it's, it's a story everywhere kind of thing. It's like um, dividing, I, I, but it's even going, oh, even like, like the thing that really pisses me off and doesn't make any sense with the, the like, why, why would you, why destroy like the Sumerian bulls in Iraq? Like, I, or, or like the, um, uh, like why would ISIS go destroy, is it, how you say it, Perselles, or, yeah, yeah, uh, or, or that the big Buddha in Afghanistan? Right. Like, like what, like what, this, it's not even like, even if you want to say like, oh, well, it's just Islamic extremists that did that because they don't like idolatry and they don't like images. And but I'm like, but yes, that was like ancient stuff. It's not something that people are currently going to winged Sumerian statues anywhere in modern day Iraq, I'm sure, and like praying to them. I mean, this was that like there's almost like there's some sort of systematic destroying of our history that it goes on everywhere still. Absolutely. I mean, this is physical proof of the things that we're talking about right here. Um, and if you can get rid of it again, people forget about stuff within a generation or two. Yeah. You know, if, you can, if you can wipe these things off the face of the earth, within a few generations, nobody's gonna, especially the way things are going right now, nobody's gonna know or, no, or nobody's gonna care. And, 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 you know, that's one of the biggest things about, you know, the biggest motivators for me about traveling and going to these places is getting that information out there. Like, you know, we've talked before and I'm never gonna be someone like, uh, like a Graham Hancock or somebody that's going to remember all these things and know all the specifics and details, right? But um, that's just not my forte. Um, it's to kind of have all this stuff memorized and to be able to sit here and just drop a plethora of knowledge onto you about all this other than what my general opinion is. But if I can make people ask a question and, 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 and in their own mind about something or think in their head enough to know that some of this stuff doesn't add up, then I feel like I'm I'm doing my job, what I want to be doing. I feel like I'm doing good, right? If people will just start asking questions. The hard part is getting people out of their own apathy in terms of their day-to-day -day life, right? So, 
you know, this is something that, you know, when I was working a job day to day just to pay the bills, you know, the app, the, the, the level of apathy in my life and is regards to, you know, you just want to come home and relax, you know, um, yeah. when you're not doing something that you love or you enjoy, it can be very hard to find the time and the energy to pursue what you're passionate about. You know, a lot of people um, will say to me like, like, oh, you must be like super rich that so you could just like go around and travel anything. And it's like, okay, well for me, I, I lived in New York city for like five years and I, everything I made went to living in New York city. So I didn't travel at all. So then like I turned third, this was like, I guess this was like nine years ago. I'm about to turn 40 and I, I was like 31 at the time. And I remember thinking like, like I had backpacked Europe when I was 23 right after college. And I, then, then once I, once I, I lived in New York, London for three years and did a lot of traveling then, but then when I lived in New York, I did, I couldn't travel at all because everything was just surviving. Right. And right. then I thought to myself, I was like, I don't want to do that. Like this is, I didn't, I didn't incarnate on the planet to, to be a slave for just like stuff. And then when I'm 60, then I can travel. Like when I, my legs don't like me that much anymore and my back hurts. Like I want to travel now. So you, my point with this though is that like you don't have to be a millionaire you don't have to be super rich like 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 there are there's a lot there's there's easy cheaper ways to travel there's there's look into it like it's it's also prioritizing like i may not have driven like the best car but then i would have gone to four countries that year you know or i um i wouldn't like spend a lot of money on alcohol i would i'd rather like save the money i would have on something like that and you know, bought and plane tickets or done this or whatever. Then I was like, okay, fine. I got into a profession where I could travel a lot, which was, okay, I'm a flight attendant. So then now I get free flights. And then, so now you just look over. I'm just saying like, if there's a will, there's a way. And I think if you're one of those people who thinks that like traveling is something that is beyond you, um, it's not like you, you it's just something that you got to prioritize and then figure out how to make those, those wills work for you. And a lot of times it's, um, I've noticed a lot of people want to travel, but then like they don't have a passport or they just, they're scared of that initial booking the ticket, like book, book, like clicking the button, the actual, once you make that first move a couple of times, then it's a bug, it's addicting. And then you're off. You know, it's funny that you said that because as, as soon as you started talking, um, I, that's exactly what I thought it, you know, in my head is just buy the ticket. Look, I've been doing this for a while and I've gone everywhere and I'd still, is hard for me to click on a button and spend a thousand dollars to go somewhere and everything that's rolled up into buying that ticket right the whole the whole process and different things right because there's a ton of little things that go into it but if you i'll just say this to anybody who's watching if you're thinking about going out and exploring and going to one of these sites you're not going to regret it like you said just buy the ticket and then figure out how to make it work you can you can get single rooms that are like $20 a night in hostels where everybody's friendly and hostels are amazing. And you can, you can um, pack light. You can have a whole experience. You can take a train from, uh, I think, uh, is it Lima or Cusco that, tra that goes to um, Como Kunku? Whatever. You can buy one of those. You can buy a train ticket for cheap and get out there and go see it. Spend a day, stay in Aguas Calientes. And, you know, like, just just buy the ticket right and then figure the rest yeah, figure out. it out from there yeah and More then the, another travel tip for people is that never 
I don't even know why those things exist. Never get your exchange money from those little booths at the thing. Like you get your, whatever your account is, okay? You go and you go to an ATM as soon as you get to said country and you take out the max amount that you can of their currency. And you just do that at banks and you decline their conversion converge, converter rate. You just always go with like the daily bank rate of what your currency is that day. That's how you get the best rates and you don't do any of those little booths with somebody sitting there with like these ticking numbers of currency. Don't make that mistake, okay? That's, that's... I, and you know what? I'm so bad at that because when I get to an airport, a lot of times I've been to places where there's no ATM or there's not a bank and I just go do it because I'm just like, I don't want to hassle with it. But you're 100% right. If you want to get the best rate, don't go to those booths. Go to an ATM. <laughs> do the ATM or go into a bank. At, well, if you're actually in the country after you've left the airport, just go to a bank and go to the ATM inside a bank, any bank. Unless you're in Cuba. If you're in Cuba, all every like Cuba was take more money than you think you're going to take. It's all cash and uh, they will rob you and you will have to, you will get robbed at one of those things that converts yeah. money. Like, I don't know that there is a good, I have not, I did not figure out. But don't avoid Cuba because Cuba is amazing. I, 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 it, I went all over Cuba and it was, it was incredible. It was one of the best uh, countries that I've traveled to. That was the worst country I've ever traveled to. I was there for two weeks when it first opened. And for me, I just was like, um, yeah, it was just not really right. It was, it was real. It was like camping and it was like humanitarian more than like, I, 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 I wasn't quite, I don't think my mind frame was in the right thing that needed to be in to go to Cuba. So, so Cuba was your absolute worst experience traveling then? Yeah. I've been all over the world too, like, uh, except for Australia and Antarctica. So very similar to you. And, uh, yeah, Cuba was, I mean, look, I, there was great stuff. I went, I mean, yeah. like it was a really also, pretty, really cool place. Bad experiences, right? You know? Yeah. I had great experiences when I'm there. I'm just saying like, in terms of like ease, it was, there's no internet in Cuba. There was no, you're, 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 you know, which is cool. It's like going back in time. Like there's, um, your phone's not going to work. So, I mean, like there's that, I mean, like I felt like the pillows were like sleeping on lumps of clay. Like my comfort was like really challenged a lot in Cuba. Yeah. When, yeah. when I was there, we stayed with, um, what would, um, what do they call it? Casa, uh, we stayed with families while I was families, there. Yeah. It was really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and I, I think my worst country that, that I visited was just in December, my trip to Egypt. It was, um, it was really taxing. Um, you know, really? Cause okay. See my, my Egypt trip was good, but I did one of the expensive tours. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I felt like, every single site that we went to we were just constantly harassed for money or to go into a side door or to let somebody try to like get money to take for them to use our camera to take the our picture and it was just it was just constantly kind of you know trying to keep people back right away yeah and and you know it was just all day long every day and everything was um i think you know it was just every interaction was such a hustle there that it just it kind of wore us down and when when we're you're working it can be a bit there's there's no barrier it was just me and and one other person my cousin filming so it was just there was no kind of maybe third person to kind of be a barrier yeah. or you know what i mean while we're trying I, our, our tour i went with muhammad ibrahim and he was very good at being like i don't know what he said to these people but he would say something to them in egyptian and it was just like 
they would scatter. Like nobody messed with us or talked to us or anything. It was great. Uh, but I mean, there are certain places where, and that's the other thing. If you, if you're not confident to really go at it completely alone in some, some places, like sometimes I run out of, I actually travel with my cousin a lot. Like me and my cousin are going to be going to Slovenia, um, in July and the week we've been to Korea and Germany and Argentina, all, we do all kinds of places together. But, um, like if I run out of somebody to travel with and I'm completely, I'm just like, I have the travel itch. I'm like, I want to go somewhere. Like that's when I'll go on a tour. Like you don't need to know anybody to go because you're going to be like meeting the people on the tour and that's fine. And I, and, and I'll do that every once in a while because you, those tours, especially someplace like I did a tour to Egypt. I did a tour to Peru. Um, like it, it's one of those things where they, they can pay off sometimes if you, if you, um, if you're by yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, just because we're filming, we, I usually always avoid the tour groups, but, um, but yeah, if, it, especially if you're in a place like, you know, what I was talking about, you know, you you kind of, if you're part of a group, have a bubble around you of, uh, you know, being able to move and flow without being, you know, interrupted or whatever, which, you know, if you're by yourself, you don't speak the language, it's, it's going to be a little bit more, um, you know, difficult for, to, to navigate some of that. Um, well, and, and, and navigating transportation is kind of, what's that? And navigating transportation can sometimes be a bitch. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, a lot of these places you're, you know, if you're able to negotiate correctly with somebody, you can get somebody to, to drive you around all day for really reasonable prices and just stay with you all day and wait as you go place to place. Um, just depends, but you know, it's doable. Um, and, yeah, you know, I had a taxi driver take me from Chennai to Oroville, which was like four and a half hours, for like $30. <laughs> yeah, right. We did that in Cuba from Vanales to Trinidad. Um, and uh, we shared a cab with two guys from France. Um, and uh, it, it was actually fun because we ended up making friends and going out that evening. Um, I still uh, uh, talk to uh, uh, one of the guys every once in a while. And, uh, but yeah, you meet people, you know, that, that, that you stay connected with and it's great. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and like, that's like, I've, I've, I have friends still that I've met in hostels. And, 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 you know, if, if you're thinking about traveling and doing stuff, reach out to people, like reach out to the community, reach out to, to me, to you, to somebody else. Like, I know like everybody is, is more than willing to share the information that they have. Like, like I'm absolutely, if somebody reaches out to me, hundred percent share how I was able to navigate something or if there's advice that I can give, I, I answer stuff on YouTube and on my Instagram and different stuff all the time. If people need advice on how to do something, um, I'm, you know, absolutely. I wish I had thought about that when I was starting out because um, it would have been incredibly helpful. Um, and if, you know, you can avoid some of the mistakes like you were talking about with the hitting the ATM or the bank and not doing those booths, that'll kind of maybe save you money or time or energy, you know, go for it. Take a chance, reach out to people, get involved. Yeah. And I mean, I, yeah, I know. I mean, like, like that, yeah, I've been held at gunpoint. I've been robbed. I've had things like this happen to me, but it's not like, I don't know. That's just like. A moment in time it's like it, i don't know i feel like it's like it's not scary like i think you, people are so scared of, th of certain things and you're just going like it's really not there's nothing to be scared of. i know that's the great way to say it. there's nothing to be scared of i've been held at gunpoint i've been wrong um but uh you're 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 fine you're gonna be fine most of the time getting robbed seems to be more about a business transaction 
just give them the money. You know, I, I've been robbed in, I think, three times over the years, and it, every single time it was in Mexico. And Mexico, yeah, Mexico. Yeah. And it, all of every single time it was by the police, all three times. And Mexico is still one of my favorite countries yeah, in I the love world. Mexico. I'll still I go back. Robbed. I just already did go back. Yeah. You know, um, you know, just don't give the police a reason to stop you down there. <laughs> you know, that helps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like when I was there, they were stopping me from not, for not wearing a mask on the street. Um, and, so uh, yeah. and, and down in Mexico, you'll get a fine on the spot that you can. Yeah. Pay. I got fined on the spot and I was like, luckily I had your 60 pesos here. Exactly. I'll keep the mask down. Thank yeah. you very much. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know, but, uh, so, so where all do what, so what's coming up for you? you well, I've got Asia, uh, going to Angkor Wat in August and I'll be in Thailand, Cambodia and Vietnam. Um, I'll be doing, um, part of a, like kind of an adventure motorcycle group and I'll be riding dirt bikes across Namibia in March. Um, that's a bit, that's a thing for you. You're kind of an adrenaline junkie too. With some of these I do, you know, like I've found that like throughout my life, I like these periods of kind of slow, steady stuff. And then these big spikes of like doing things. Right. So, um, you know, the army was very much like that. Um, I've, I, I kind of like that where you just kind of sit around and wait, or you're just doing your day to day work, but then, and then, and then things get boring and I want, I want adventure and I got to get out there and do something you know, crazy. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't want to say no to anything. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of stuff. I'm, for example, I, I'm not a huge fan of heights, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to say no to doing a once in a lifetime experience if I'm somewhere. Um, yeah. You know. Like I rode in a hot air balloon, but I'm not skydiving. I'm sorry. I'm just never doing that. I, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel you there, but there's things like that, that, that I'm not going to say no to if I'm somewhere. And, um, I, I want to utilize that that side of myself and my personality to get out to some of these places that um, maybe other people can't make it to. Like, for example, like Gornaya Shoria, Shoria is not an easy site to get to. We, we were planning that with a guide um, in Russia for a couple months before we, we, we had to back off of it um, because of the conflict stuff and all everything going on in, over in Ukraine. Um, but you know, the plans for that were pretty intensive just to get out to the site. I mean, it's out in the mountains and there aren't exactly, it's not exactly like a road to the, to the place, you know? So, um, you know, if I can focus some of that energy into getting these places to get things that maybe no one else has, or, you know, we need more information about or more, more go to the Rishot structure. What's that? You should go to the Rishot structure. What is that? It's the eye of the Sahara. Oh yes. Um, yeah. Wow. I, yep. I've got a big map on my wall over here. So I'm just, I was just looking at it, but, um, yeah. Right. Um, not a lot of people have been there. Incredible. Um, very just... hard to get to and a lot, a lot of food options and Mauritania is like the poorest, most dangerous country ever. So yeah, go there. <laughs> <laughs> But those are things that I'm I'm all about. Like if if we can if I can sit down and plan it out and and, and figure it out, then yeah, I'm all about it. Um, um, you know, I'm, I'm if, if if something like that can if, if I think I can do it, I'm going for it, hundred um, percent. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the biggest problem in some places is just the equipment, um, and that's one of the biggest reasons that I wanted to pare everything down. Um, you know, I used to carry 
you know, we used to travel with this Pelican case and a big camera and a big drone and tripods and stuff like that. And it's like, we just, I'm just not doing that anymore. Cause you, you know, I, I need everything to be either able to well, fit. And technology has gotten like better luckily. Like or it, it keeps, I mean like our iPhone, my iPhone takes some pretty amazing things, honestly. We've just switched over to, to shooting everything on iPhone now. So the last two trips that I've done, um, that are waiting to be edited uh were shot entirely on iphones so we'll see how that works um i think there was a we'll see it also if i'm as, as engaging as maybe i used to be on those because some of it was kind of like it's like you're doing a selfie the whole time and i figured out some other ways of doing that to make it look better but again the, the other problem is too that why I switched over and wanted to minimize too is what I was talking about earlier. A lot of these sites is you can't bring in the equipment anymore. Yeah. Um, and if you, if you didn't reach out ahead of time to get it approved, they won't let you in or they'll charge you like sometimes a hundred, $200 extra to bring your, to bring any kind of extra equipment in um, a large camera or any type of, I, you know, I got kicked out of Chichen Itza four times before they finally let me in with GoPros because I had audio and a clip-on mic kicked me out. I had a, um, I had a uh, media mod on my GoPro. Nope, had to take that off, so they kicked me out. I had to go back to the car. They wouldn't let me in. I had um, a, uh, a hand thing attachment for holding it and it would act as a tripod too. Nope, had to go back to the car, unattach that and bring it out. The only thing that I could bring in was just the GoPro. So that whole video was shot with me just holding a GoPro like this and you know it's point it, it's gotten to the point where it's like at a lot of these sites i can't risk traveling thousands and thousands and thousands of miles and spending thousands of dollars to get somewhere just to have somebody tell me that i can't bring any of that equipment in and then not having a place to put it or store it so we're just iphones now and the drones and uh yeah. and batteries lots of batteries <laughs> i guess you can always put the drones in a backpack or something like and yeah um, yeah, I mean, like that's, I, I've kind of gotten, I've, I've gotten the same way. Well, and I also feel like I, I'm less lazy if it's already on the iPhone than if I had to like take a card and download it to the thing and do like those extra steps are, they suck for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. So is there anything else that, um, I didn't ask you that like you, that you, that, that you wanted to touch on? Um, no, I'm, you know, I, I've, I've enjoyed getting more connected, um, with the community of people that really appreciate all of this. Um, you know, I know we met on Twitter and, uh, I, you know, uh, Rob, uh, Heatherly, it kind of got me plugged in with a lot of people, um, there and it's been great. The community there has been so friendly and welcoming and, and that's, that's been awesome. And it's, it feels really good to find a place where, a lot of the stuff that I've been doing for the last however many years is start is starting to find a bit of traction and, and an audience. Um, I hope that, um, you know, I continue to get feedback on how I can improve or how I can, uh, you know, better share a lot of this. Um, I'm excited about moving forward in the future with the channel and the focus even moving more firmly into um, uh, the, the ancient sites and all the specifics of these things that we all love to geek out, geek out on, you know, um, the stone working and different stuff like that. So I'm really excited about that. Um, so 
Yeah, I, you know, I just, there's a lot of amazing information being shared out there and a lot of great ideas and theories and um, uh, it, it's really cool to be a part of that. I'm, uh, I'm very thankful. Yeah. Okay. And so where can people find you? So I know you have the YouTube and then you have, and you're on Twitter. Is that, is that it? Do you do Instagram? Awesome. Do you do anything else? Wandering Wolf on YouTube. Um, on my, my tags on Twitter are W Wolf prod. So W W O L F P R O D, um, at Twitter. And it's the same handle for Instagram. Um, Instagram's a bit more like personal stuff. You'll find that on Twitter, it's a lot of either dropping my videos or trying to find pictures to drop on there. And, um, I'm, I'm hoping to get better at that. Um, there's so much content that I could go back and pull individual shots of amazing stuff from the places I've been to over the years and we'll get there. It's just, um, it, it, it kind of takes a while to get, you know, I have to have things kind of where I'm focused and levels of priority, but, um, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram and, and Twitter at those handles. Um, the, the channel's been growing really well, which has been great. Um, and it's good to see that level of growth and engagement. So really the best way you could support me is on YouTube. And then of course, yes, please follow me on Instagram and Twitter. That would be amazing. Okay, cool. And you, you do have a Patreon, right? I have a Patreon. Yeah. Um, there, there is a Patreon, but, um, but you're you know, not really pushing that one. Cause you're thinking about moving somewhere else maybe, or doing something well, else. Yeah. I've, I've considered taking that down. I, 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 you know, if, if people want to give and support at a hundred percent of anything that I get back goes back into traveling and, and, and going to these sites. Right. I, I'm financing this all on my own for the last, you know, four or five years that I've been filming and doing this. So anything helps. Um, but, um, you know, it's tough times out there and I've been thinking about just canceling the Patreon. They have the thanks button now. So if somebody wants to like buy me a cup of coffee on there, um, you know, like everybody likes to say on YouTube now, you can hundred percent do that. Um, if you want to support me on Patreon, um, absolutely. Please do that. Just know that all of that goes back into the travels. Um, it doesn't go anywhere else. It goes into my next trip, either buying the tickets, getting to the site. Um, if I need new equipment or something like that, that's where all that money goes. So if you, if you decide to support me in any way, I'm a hundred percent thankful and grateful for that. Okay, cool. And I will just plug for you. Like, like he has amazing footage, you guys like go check his stuff out. And if you don't know about these sites, like he's, he's definitely a good one to, or even if there is a site that you know about and like, go check it out and see if, make sure he has, hasn't been, because if he has been like, you need to watch his version of it because his footage is just so clear, so off the hook, so detailed. It's, it's wonderful. And I, I, there needs to be a millions of you doing this because it's just gonna, it just, it just furthers the human collective and the, the human pool of knowledge even, even better, you know? So like you're, you're Mr. Data Collector. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yes. And I, I want to keep doing that. And I'll let others that are that are much smarter than me dig into the details and break that apart, you know? Uh, hey, but if, if you're if you're collecting the data, you're getting you're getting it raw from the yeah. source. So you're gonna have your own really good opinions. And I know I've talked to you. You I know you know your stuff too. So appreciate yeah. that. Um, okay. Yeah. So this has been super fun. I love to talk to you. We'll have to talk to you again, like on your next couple of trips and maybe travel at some point together in the future. Because, like, yeah. There's some cool, and like, there's cool stuff. Like we talked about in our home turf, like 
think we could do some incredible trips around America to some of these sites that people are just not familiar with. I don't think people know how many ancient sites are here in America that are within reach of you traveling within a, a day or less anywhere you live in America. The whole mound culture and so, there's so much stuff that it that has been just like glossed yeah. over. Nothing happened. No, this was pristine I land think, that no was nobody discovered from. Yeah, we just don't talk about this, so it's like you know. But yeah, hundred percent. I would love that, and maybe we could talk about more uh, more about that uh, at, at some point. hundred percent. Cool. Really yeah. cool. All right, Mike. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All right. Bye. Ha, ha, ha.